Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. Today, we're talking to Misty Larkins, the president of Relevance.com, a growth marketing agency that helps companies own their industries and increase market share. Misty's background includes nearly 20 years in the marketing and advertising industry, and she's an expert on full funnel content strategies, digital PR, and organic search. In this episode, Misty shares insights she learned after her company shifted from a digital PR focus to prioritizing more on-page strategies and tells us just exactly how they built personalized authority using a blend of content and SEO tactics. Then Drew, Ryan, and Misty dive deep into the different ways to ensure your SEO strategy aligns to the interests of your target audience before wrapping with a look at the ever-changing SEO landscape. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks for free at demandjump.com today. And now here are your co-hosts, Drew Detzler and Ryan Brock. Welcome to Page One or Bust. Uh, this is your host, Drew Detzler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Brock. Yo! Ryan, how we doing? Oh, living the dream. It's a beautiful day in Indianapolis today. <laughs> it is, it is. I'm excited because today joining us is Misty Larkins, the president of Relevance. Misty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Before we dive into some of my big questions, Misty, why don't you tell us a little bit about Relevance and your role as president there? Sure, sure, sure. So Relevance is a growth marketing agency that focuses on on organic channels and ways to grow authority, credibility, and visibility for brands online. So what that means in a nutshell is essentially we focus on comprehensive content strategies and how to leverage those in ways that, you know, presents brands as authorities in their space. And that's typically, you know, like on-site content, making sure you're meeting customers where they are at any point in the buyer's journey, credibility in, in lieu of, you know, kind of like going on third-party publications. So getting, using digital PR tactics to get them mentioned in both high-level industry publications as well as more niche publications. And then visibility, which has everything to do with showing up in search. So making sure that you're kind of covering all of the areas that we think make brands very relevant, hence the name, and also help them own their industries is what we say, right? And making sure that they're they're everywhere that they need to be to capitalize on opportunity. It's a brilliant name. It's inspired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's efficient in the character usage. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So we used to actually be named something else and we we bought the relevance domain and rights to the name about I think like three and a half years ago. So it's been it's been it's way more relevant than you know to what we do than what we used to be named, which just didn't have didn't have <laughs> much meaning at all. Which true story, Misty. I don't know if you and I have talked about this or if it was someone else on your team, but I got my start in SEO writing for the company that used to own that URL, yeah. which is really yeah. weird because we're not even in the same town. But it's it's just funny how those things come full circle. Yeah. So you're, you're in Indianapolis. I consistently get outreach from like business organizations in Indianapolis that still think that that's where we're based. And I'm just like, you know, your group sounds really nice, like very cool, but I am not there. So I can, I can't participate in that. So yeah, that's funny. We had, I think we did chat about that when we first met. Yeah. That's funny. Small world. Yeah, it is. So Misty, tell me a little bit about your SEO journey and how you came to be president of a content focused agency. Yeah. I've been with Relevant for 
for about four and a half years now. You know, we always talked about SEO and I was fairly new to the actual intricacies of SEO when I joined the company. I knew what it was and knew what the word stood for. And I, I knew like the basic general concept of how to execute on SEO. Uh, but it really came more to the forefront of my mind as well as professional development goals to learn more about it when I, when I joined Relevance. And when we were first executing SEO strategies, it had more to do for us with more like offsite strategies for SEO, right? So identifying opportunities like listicles and articles that already were ranking well for certain keyword terms, whether it was around top books for X or X conferences that you should check out or X name your technology area that your business should consider and finding ways to either get articles like that placed on publications to help them rank or working on getting like lists updated to include our clients, right? So SEO strategy for us was much more off page than it was on page at that time because the majority of our business model and what we were really great at was more on the digital PR side of things, right? Okay. So the the guys who own Relevance have spent the last 20 years working, you know, to form relationships with contributors and editors and publication owners and, you know, get them to essentially take a look at the content we would send their way or accept pitches, right? So yep. we we really focused on that. And a lot of our clients came to us for that element of what we do. And it wasn't until probably, you know, nine to 12 months after I started, and SEO had already changed a ton by then, is that we started having more conversations with our clients. And what they would tell us is, you know, I don't know, or I can't tell where the ROI is coming from this PR strategy that we're deploying. Bingo. Yeah. I'm like, well, excuse my person, but like, no, shit, right? Like, I get it. <laughs> PR is, yep. PR is notoriously difficult to measure even even when it's done digitally right like it's notoriously difficult to measure it's even harder to tie to like an roi metric because of the different ways that people enter a funnel and also people i think had this perception and I don't know if it's just a holdover from the way that pr used to be done years and years ago but they had this perception that if their brand was mentioned on a publication, say Forbes, Inc., Odd whatever, like name your high level business publication, especially when you're talking about B2B companies. They had this perception that that mention, whether it was just a mention in an article or a feature that it looked like their grandmother wrote, would result in leads for them. Yep. And that's really not the case, right? And we were telling them the goal yeah. of this PR mention is to grow your overall credibility of your brand, right? You need to leverage it, use it in your marketing materials, use it in your email, you know, use it in everything, whether you're looking to kind of like just support your credibility in the industry with investors or with potential clients or whatever. But the goal of that is not referral traffic because the fact of the matter is, unless you're a consumer products brand and you get mentioned on something like Oprah's favorite things list, you're not going to get like high volumes of qualified traffic to your website as a result of that mention alone. Like your strategy should not be hinged on just getting your brand mentioned in in a publication. And and so it's like we hadn't started having those conversations with clients because they're like, well, well, we want more leads. Like leads is our goal. And I'm like, well, if leads is your goal, PR should only be a piece of your strategy, right? Like you should be doing yes. so much more with your onsite content. You should be doing so much more with how you're strategically approaching search and you should be doing 
so much more than just these mentions because mentions alone are not going to get you there, right? So, well, and and just to commiserate with you for a moment, like <laughs> even even coming at this from like a purely like on page content SEO side of things, you know, like I, I ran a content agency for ten years. I was in your shoes, just maybe started more on the on the like on page content side and 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 got more into like the broader SEO stuff, but like. SEO at the time, even that you're talking, even a few years ago, SEO was no different, right? Like, like tying, I'm writing this blog post, and that is going to lead to this outcome in my marketing was like impossible to do. And it took so long to do that. It wasn't much easier if you were focusing on the on page stuff, at least I don't think it was. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Until fairly recently, right? I mean, so all right, if I'm doing the math correctly here, Misty joined about three and a half, four years ago, nine to 12 months, you shifted, it seems you shifted a little bit from the PR side of things to more of the SEO legion side of things. So can you walk me through that process, that that shift, and then how you create these content strategies to, you know, focus on lead generation? Yeah, so we started really taking a more focused approach on a comprehensive style of strategy, right? So it's not PR alone, but PR tied with on-site content, tied with, you know, kind of like more SEO strategies that support both off-page and on-page SEO, technical SEO, all of those things, right? So we started with clients who were the ones we were having the conversations with that were saying, well, we, you know, like we want leads. And we're like, okay, let's talk about how we do that, right? And it really was, it was a shift that I think changed the whole trajectory of really who we were as an agency and where we thought our strengths be utilized. Because I think we were a valuable partner in some ways to the mm-hmm. brands that we worked with. But a lot of times we were more treated like a tool on a toolbox, right? We were like, oh, well, you know, here's this great thing we want people to know about. Can you get it, you know, like get something published that mentions this? And, and yep. you know, I was constantly having to be the one that was like, okay, like I get it. You think your baby is cute, right? But <laughs> is your baby Gerber baby cute? Because if your baby isn't Gerber baby cute, like this is not getting on, you know, the tech front. Like that's just not, this is yep. not going to happen, right? Yeah, exactly. And then we got to shift and, and we got to talk a little bit more about, you know, identifying what do you, what does your customer journey look like? And what are the types of questions that people have along the way? And are you meeting them with content at every stop that they have along that journey? Are you guiding them in a way that pushes them further towards that conversion step? Are you then supporting that with, you know, those digital PR strategies? Because we didn't want to abandon that, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's really like a, a very special like secret sauce that we have that not a lot of other agencies do, especially when you're talking about in the growth marketing space, right? Yep. Like we can we have this tool set that we can deploy. So that then became more about okay, like how do we evaluate linkable and rankable content on your site? How do we leverage that for opportunities to build credibility in those publications that you still want to be in? And how do we design that whole strategy in a way that gets you to the end goal of seeing that return on your investment, seeing the results from both your traffic strategies as well as your overall brand credibility. So, you know, it took a long time for us to shift, especially as it relates to our current client base and like figuring out how to connect with the types of clients that were looking for the service that we had to offer. So prior to really landing on the kind of like gross marketing agency moniker, we, we often referred to ourselves more as just like a boutique digital marketing agency, which I would say still applies. Mm-hmm. However, a lot of the things that we do, we like the, we like the growth aspect because that's really what, what our goal is, right? Is, is yeah. to take, to take businesses that 
we, we don't really work with a ton of like early stage startups, right? Like we, we work more maybe after someone has made it past their first funding round or a series A or something like that. They have, you know, their, their proven product they, they, or service. They know who they're targeting, what their market is. And then what we like to say is we're like, we can pour gasoline on the fire, right? Like we can yep. pour gasoline on the fire that's already burning and help with that growth. So yeah, it took a while to ship and we're still working on it, right? Like we're, we're still a work in progress as well, but it's been a really interesting last probably two years in, in really trying to shift the, the types of clients that we're going after and, and really identify for us what makes the most sense. In a slightly roundabout way, this connects really strongly in my mind to something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Just, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I did a webinar with Content Marketing Institute and I boldly named that webinar, Domain Authority is Dead. <laughs> and I made the argument that trying to do things like build backlinks to your website for the purposes of raising your domain authority doesn't matter, especially in the world of pillar-based marketing that I know we're all familiar with, where we've seen time and time again, people can, if you align to search behavior, if you understand what people actually care about when it comes to a topic, you can you can develop the right content, network it in the right way, and you can you can reach page one without having to do that. Like it doesn't matter. The domain authority is a is a vanity metric if that's possible, which it is. And that's sort of what I think I'm hearing you say, where it's like, you know, what we might have done five years ago for the sake of like, this is what SEO is. Today we're doing similar things, but it's all based on creating actual authority, not like crossing off a, a ch checking off a box and saying, Oh, we have a high domain authority score, or we've got a certain number of backlinks, or we've gotten a certain amount number of brand mentions. It's about this like grassroots comprehensive approach to saying when people are trying to learn about a topic, there's a million billion different ways that they could go to learn that on the internet. It's so broad. It's so vast. They could search a million different places, infinite number of different keywords and, and, and avenues to learn about something. Our job is to understand where the ones people are at more often than not. And how can we make sure that our brands that we represent are there actually giving people what they need, actually being a legitimate authority. And it's so like, to me, that's, that's what I'm hearing you say. And I think it's like, that is the future of SEO. If we're talking about SEO, it's not check these boxes and do these things to get a better score. It's know where people are and then know that there's different ways to engage with information and you need to align with those things. So it's super cool to hear you talking about that from your perspective. I think that backlinks might, you know, they have a place in the overall formula or, or like, I think it's art and science, right? As it, as it applies to SEL. But I do think that it is so much more about building your your personalized authority in a topic than it is about trying to work any kind of system, right? Like people right. who still think that they can game yes. Google, I, though I, I just don't believe it, right? Yeah. Like, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it can happen. I think that Google is smart enough now. We're past the day. Like we, we left the days of keyword stuffing, you know, 10, 15 years in the past, right? right? We've left the, the, the gaming backlinks in the past, right? So now it is so much more about proving not just to, not just to Google, but to your potential customers that you know what you're talking about and that right. they should trust you, right? So yep. if you do not have that piece, if you're not consistently working on that, if that is not a focused part of your strategy, backlinks are not going to do anything for you, right? Yep. Like it, it's just, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to be an additive to what you're 
you're doing if what you're doing is nothing else as it relates to your overall authority and credibility on your site. All right, I'm going to assume yep. that we're both going to be in DC for content marketing world this year. I'm going to make it yeah. a mission to buy you a drink and convince <laughs> you that backlinks are never the top priority. <laughs> I, I, allow me That's that fair. opportunity. I know it's bold. I know it's bold, but I'm telling you, you can give me a thousand things to look at to do and backlinks are never going to be the top priority. But it's it's a bold, it's a bold perspective. It is bold. It is. That's bold. And I will let you buy me that drink. I will let you buy me that drink. And then I'll buy the appetizers and I'll show you reasons why I still think that they are useful in certain cases. Fair play. Love it. <laughs> I love this. I, I, so one thing that I hear you, you talking about, Misty, is, is a part of your broadening your guys' approach and attaching, you know, the PR aspect of things with the on-page and, and, and content SEO side of things. As a marketer, SEO historically was very hard to attribute revenue to, unless you were an enterprise level company that can afford tools that can do that, right? But as we've come along as marketers, it's possible now for your, your growth stage companies and smaller companies to attribute revenue to SEO. So when both PR and content were both very hard to attribute revenue to, it was a coin flip of which we spend money on. But now that content is becoming more attributable, I think that's where we see people shifting their focus and we see people more interested in showing us those lead generating content results. I think you are entirely correct, right? Like I don't gamble in Vegas, right? Like I go to Vegas all the time. I love the food, I love the shows. I love the, I love the people watching, but I do not gamble because I don't like giving people money for them to not guarantee and give me something back. Like, yep. I just don't like, right? That's why I would prefer to online shop than gamble. Like I just, you, yep. I give you my money, you give me something back, right? And I think that that's why things that can be, revenue attributed. Like, I think that that's why they're so much more popular. Again, I still think that PR does have its place and like, you know, oh, where yeah. we see PR working really well, especially is in companies who are looking for exits or for raises, right? So like, yep. if yeah. you can prove, especially to investors, like you might not get any traffic to your site from that article, but you can 100% leverage it in the way that still achieves your goals in the end by showing that other publications find you credible enough to mention you in our on their site. And so even though you might not be able to directly attribute any revenue to those, I think it is still a great tool to have in your arsenal. Even if you're a, a B2C, you know, like you sell whatever yeah. cogs or whatever they use, you know, it's, it's there's still a, a place for that. But again, like I think that using that as your only strategy, especially if your goal is leads and conversions, I used to jokingly refer to people who only wanted like PR as badge chasers, right? So they just wanted the badges <laughs> yep. to show up on their website because yep. they thought that that would do something. And again, like, I think it was more they thought it would do something that it doesn't, right? It, it, it still has its place. It's still important. It's still a powerful tool when used the right way. And when the expectations are not that it's going to have an outcome, that it, it's not possible of doing. It absolutely has its place and it's very important. It builds trust to your, to your point, mm -hmm. right? But exactly. If it's, if it's, if you're, if it's lead gen you're looking for, it can't be your only, only solution. Well, and I think what we're talking about is the fact that marketers, they should, they should focus on like a good mix of like, what are those tactics that you can employ that actually drive results that are measurable and provable so you can earn trust and get a seat at the table. And then what are the other things that need to happen that aren't going to have that level of insight, yes. but are going to support the other efforts that you're doing. I think like we've overcorrected to a certain extent because every aspect of business for so long has had so much transparency in terms of data 
how do we automate this and automate that and think about this and attribute that marketing is is you know desperate for that that's why we all spend so much money on paid ads even though we hate them right because yep. like it's yep. we understand them and they're clear yep. and and we can show those numbers to a boss who's never worked in marketing and they'll get it but it's like if we can do that on on a few things and then really earn the trust we can make magic happen that's not as measurable and it doesn't need to be yeah i totally agree with you all right talk a little bit more about the seo strategy side of things how are you ensuring at relevance that your seo strategy aligns to the interests of your target audiences or your your clients target audiences i should say yeah yeah so i mean aside from obviously the in-depth conversations that we have with our clients about their customers because no one's going to know a brand's customers better than them or no one should know a brand customers better better than them right we are using a lot of tools that try to make sure that we're like gut checking ourselves at every point. Obviously, demand jump being one of the it's a newer tool for us, uh, but it's one we've definitely seen a lot of progress with and in, in see it as a powerful tool in our arsenal. Like we're, we're deploying all of those, like I said, art and science type things. I think I feel like sometimes people think we, we just create content to create content, right? Or they think that they should create a certain amount of content. Like I have to have a blog post every day or I have to have, a you know, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, well, are you, are you writing content just to fill, check some box, fill some quota and say that you wrote a blog post or are you designing content and topics that is intentionally made to have both the authority building aspect of being able to answer a person's question that they're having about legitimate topics that your website should cover and also raise your visibility by potentially being able to rank for keywords and questions around that. Because they're two very different things, but I think that the the second is much more aligned with what customers, especially top of the funnel customers, are really looking for. And, and it really is more about meeting them where their needs are rather than just deciding, well, I, I saw another blog have this topic. I feel like we should have it too. And it's kind of like, like, okay, but why? Right. Yep. That's what we always say. How do you know you're not copying the dumb kitten class is something that we always reference when it comes to writing that, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Just because they wrote right. it doesn't mean that you should write it. Yeah, Misty, I don't know if you've learned this about me yet, but I like to make bold statements, big statements <laughs> that are largely no. unsubstantiated. But one of them is... <laughs> Nobody's reading your blog. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to your company's website, clicking blog and saying, I wonder what's going on at my favorite brand today. Like we're finding (laughs) these things through search and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's like one person in the stack of a thousand that's like wanting to see what your, you know, volunteer day looked like or whatever. And that's great. It's wonderful. Do that. It's part of your character, but. Yeah, I'm always going to focus on the things that that are are like aligned with the actual customer journey. And I, I don't know if... Yeah, answering the questions they're asking. No. Like, yeah. like Missy said, meet them where they are. I feel like blog content that's less focused on the customer journey and more focused on, like you said, like somebody's volunteer day is more for existing customers. I don't think it ever it ever really is targeted well they could think it's targeted at potential customers or people looking to find them but like i have i have admittedly definitely gone to brands that i'm already aware with and i've gone and i've looked at their blog and it was more of like a question and maybe it's because i understand search and search you know like how that's designed however i have read blogs for things that i had googled and then introduced myself to new brands so i think it's really uh, again, like if I'm going to, if I'm a brand and I'm going to spend my money on something, it's 100% going to be the, the ladder of that. It's going to be the, the content that's designed to attract and answer potential customers 
questions in existing customers. It's not like, it's not like they stop having questions when they buy your service or, or, you know, know your brand. But yeah, there's, there's room for the other. I just think that, you know, again, I think that one is designed more for potential customers and one is more relevant or more likely to be read by existing customers. Yeah. I think we need to patent this show format, Drew. Like Ryan says something obtuse <laughs> and potentially dumb, allowing our guests to say something much more subtle and intelligent. And let's just do that back and forth. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. One or two more questions and we'll jump into the lightning round. All right. I'm going to bring it up. You guys thought you were going to be able to listen to a piece of content without hearing it, but generative oh, AI. Oh, no, no, okay. <laughs> Gener- <laughs> no, I'm not going there, right? Now, generative What's AI. What's that? What's generative AI, Drew? I've never heard of that before. <laughs> AI and content, you can't go anywhere without seeing it, right? Everything's changing. Everyone's talking about it. Search engine algorithms are always changing. New developments in SEO, the most recent one, AI. Misty, how do you at Relevance keep up with everything that's changing and how do you guys change your strategies as a part of that? Yeah, so I would say that we have a lot of, you know, like strategic advisors and and people that we converse with and just bounce ideas off of a lot. And that, that definitely helps because reading an article, I joke that I love Search Engine Journal. I really do. I, I think that there's great ideas there, but I also feel like they can be slightly alarmist, right? But oh, yes. Just, yes. And I'm more of a, a wait and see. Right. I'm more of a wait and see. I want to see how things shake out. I want to see how things play out in real life. I want to test it. So like our our model is always we test it on ourselves first, right? Like so we'll test yep. it on our own website. We'll test it on our own blog. We'll test it as part of our own strategy and see what happens and then slow roll it out. Like if it works and we're like we can get behind it, we then slow roll that out to our clients. Right. And and it's a that way we can say, hey, look, we did this on our own website. We tried this. It works. We would love to try this strategy with you. And it relates to AI. I really don't, I don't know. I, maybe I've just watched too many Will Smith movies around AI. <laughs> like I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. But I think that there's a real risk for people who think that AI like ChatGPT is just going to eliminate any kind of human element as it relates, especially to writing content, yep. right? Because I think you could like, you can teach an AI and you can give it all these prompts and you can tell it all about your customers. You can tell it all about what you want. But at the end of the day, I think that a human is going to write better, more nuanced content that more effectively is able to reach your potential customers and that your readers than, than AI will. And, and, and especially as it relates to search, like there are already yeah. things that can can tell if search and if something is AI generated. And I just, I, I can't see a world in which Google doesn't slap that down, right? Like I just cannot see a world yeah. in which they will rank AI content that's written entirely by AI over a piece of content that's been been written by humans. If for no other reason than they're like, you're intentionally trying to game the system. I don't like yeah. that. Yep. go sit in the corner right? yeah. like if for no other reason than that yeah so everything you've said is like is a really good paraphrasing of what google has said on the subject like they're not saying explicitly don't do this they're saying keep focused on what we're telling you you need to do which is to actually engage humans and provide authority and that authority should be derived from something from like experience perspective knowledge not a short like it's not going to be good enough to just ask an ai to tell us what is the lowest common denominator of what the internet says on a subject 
paste that on the internet and then hope that we're going to win. And they have said that if we see that kind of crap, we're going to we're going to flag it. And we might even flag your whole domain. And Neil Patel, I've referenced the study a bunch of times, but he's he has 100 sites that use AI content, half of them edited by humans, the other half not. 100% drop in traffic overnight when the spam update hit on the ones that didn't have human editing. And then like a 7% on the ones that didn't. I don't know about you, Misty, but like 7% is a big margin. That's enough to keep Drew here awake at night as our CMO. Yes. So I wouldn't trust that even if it's a little bit better than the ones that are fully there. So I think it's a great tool. No, I think it's a bad tool that will become great. Yes, <laughs> there it is. I think there are certain applications where it's helpful. Like I, I do not think when writing content, like I would, ne I would never use it to write content, even though like, obviously like that's the benefit to be, obviously you can save money if you're not having to pay a writer or an editor or anyone to touch it. Right. But yep. the risk reward for me where content especially content that's designed for, for search and to meet your customers as part of their journey is concerned. It's just not worth it. I think I even read it in a blog that somebody posted about like about chat GPT and they were like, it's good for getting the bad ideas out of the way. <laughs> like if you're brain, if you're brainstorming and yeah. you're like, okay, this is what we're brainstorming on. And you ask chat GPT to give you 20 ideas about it. Well, there are all your bad ideas out on a paper. <laughs> now move beyond that into the more creative things and, and, and the better things. So, so if you want to use chat GPT to get all the bad ideas out, 100%, use it for that. I think too that if you're struggling, like I obviously, like I am not a writer. It, it not, not, not a, I'm an agonized writer. I guess that there's that way. I will spend, yep. you know, five times as long writing a stinking headline than say an editor or someone who, who writes regularly, you know, would do. So I think that if I'm have something in my head that I'm trying to figure out how to say, typing something in chat, like summarize this for me and like reading it. That's great. I've also used it to double check my child's homework. So there's, there's uh, that there too. Go. So parents across the world, if you, you know, if you just don't understand new math, I luckily do my mom's a math teacher, but if you don't understand new math, chat GPT can, can help you there. And also if you, if you want to like a summary for, for, a, a, you know, to understand a historical topic. Yeah, exactly. Just not, just not in, in writing, like I said, that content. Well, I, I used it for, for actual work that we're doing in marketing recently. One of our very talented writers, and she knows I did this. We talked about this. I have her blessing. Thank you, Claire. She, she wrote a really great case study blog post. It was, it was a good, like, I don't know, 700, 800 words long. It was a decent size thing, but we have, you know, these new, these new like case study templates for like a one pager that we built. And I'm like, all right, I've got about 200 words that I can fit this into. So this is something that I could take the existing thing that was our original content, say, hey, ChatGPT, summarize this in 200 words. And it was like 95% there. It was like really, really close. Okay. And, and it was effective. It saved me time. But it also wasn't starting from nothing or relying on like the general knowledge of the internet to talk about a complicated subject. And so I think like, that's where we got to look like I, I recently likened it to a calculator. All of my math teachers, mm. sorry to your mom, were wrong about me not having access to calculators <laughs> and spreadsheets at all times when I needed them. And the math that I need to do is very simple. It always works. But, you know, I always hated showing my work. And I think that, like, that's what writers are going to run into now is like we as a community, as a society need to agree on what does it mean for a writer to show their work? We need to know that if I'm trusting you with telling me the truth and giving me good information, like there's certain things about your job that are wrote. And I think could be replaced by a calculator or chat GPT, but then there's other parts of your job as a writer that aren't. 
And I think like it's going to be interesting as we all figure that out together over the next you know coming months and years. Yeah, my my child uses that. I don't understand why I have to do this. I'm always going to have a calculator, and I'm like, you are not wrong. You are not <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's a tough one. You will always have a calculator, but not right now. I love it, Ryan. Any other questions? Anywhere else you want to go here before we hit the lightning round? No, this was a great conversation. I am excited to dig into Misty's life here in the lightning round. And oh, wonderful! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. That sounds, that sounds great. All right, here we go. Before we let you go, Misty, we're going to have some fun with what we call the lightning round. The last thing you searched, what was it? Boom. Best restaurants at Disney. Ooh. Ooh. Going to Disney? When you're going to Disney? Whenever. Like, Disney okay. is my happy place. So oh, I, love I, it. I don't have a trip on the books yet, but... I needed the information. Well, based off of your search intent, I'm guessing it'll be relatively soon that you'll you'll book that trip. Hopefully. <laughs> so random fact about me, and this is more than, you know, just a lightning round. I really like two things, sneakers and Disney. And I stumbled into a Discord channel called Kicks at the Castle, which is literally all about <laughs> wow. Disney and sneakers. It was, there's an ongoing debate about land versus world in that Discord specifically. That is the funniest thing I've ever seen. So this is what we're talking about. But here's the thing. I'm going to make this relevant to the to the podcast, because if Misty, you can go out there on the Internet and find a community of people who are at the convergence of these two completely unrelated interests. That's representative to me of how all of us think about information and community. Now, we all expect mm -hmm. that in the wide world of the Internet, yep. we can find what we want somewhere. And if, if our customers are expecting that, then we should be bringing that experience. So like that's, you know, there's a lot to be said about targeting keywords with zero traffic or, or going after really long tail terms that are super niche when it comes to SEO. Like that's where brands should be, because if you understand your customers well enough, you're going to understand what those perfect convergence points are. And I think it's like super cool that we even have the ability to do that as marks. Yep, I totally agree with you. Way to, way to make it relevant. Oh, I appreciate man. that. That's why you're here, Ryan. That's why we keep you around. <laughs> All right. Last question. Missy, what's your best prediction for SEO trends in this year and beyond? Oh, so I am 100% convinced and I swear this is not just because we do like digital PR elements. I am 100% convinced that Google, if they are not already, which I argue that they are, can take a mention of a brand that is not linked in any way back to that brand's website and attribute it to the EAT model and use that as part of the brand's overall expertise, authority, and trust score. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's tinfoil hat level stuff, but it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. And well, I'm going to say it, that l lends to Ryan's backlink stance a little bit. So yeah, it does. It does. It 100% does. And, and I, I just think it's, I just think it's possible. I think it's possible. Yeah. It's not probable. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. What, what makes us think that they, they aren't able and aren't already doing that? Because they're the whole point, every loophole we've ever used in SEO has been a weakness of Google and they know that and they're working to fix it. They simply want to find real authority out there, quantify it somehow and present it to people in a time of need. That's all they want. So yeah, like that of yeah. course would be something worth pursuing if you were Google. Google, look, I think it's so funny to me that people, like they freak out over algorithm updates, right? Like they freak out and they're like, oh my God, how's it going to practice? Whatever. I'm like, if you've been doing the things that you should be doing, right? If your intention is to create the content that matches what people are searching for. Because search intent, like, I think that that's, that's 
that's nothing like the next frontier. Like if you're not paying attention to search intent and like making sure that your page, the content on your page matches what the search intent of that keyword or phrase or whatever is, then you're already behind, right? Like, and, and if you ever have to question like why a page isn't ranking well, like there are a lot of checks on that checkbox that you should do, but one of them should be, is what I am tra- writing on this page targeting this keyword, does it match the search intent of all of the things that are ranking in the top 10? If not, then if the problem is in the type of content that you have, not in your domain authority or whatever, because like, if I don't care if you have a domain authority in the 80s, the 90s, whatever, right? If you are not writing better content that, than what's already ranking, and if you are not doing it to match the search intent of the user, you're not going to rank for it. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have 500 backlinks. doesn't matter if you have an 80 domain authority. Like none of that's going to matter because at the end of the day, Google is trying to serve content that the person's looking for, period. In fact, if you have a domain authority of 10 and your competitors have domain authorities of 70, if you know what to write and it aligns to the journey Google already understands is happening around a topic, you can beat them. It happens all the time. Yep. We've seen it dozens of times. Like our, our domain authority at Demand Jump is so below the big players in the in the SEO industry, it's not even funny. And we whoop their butts on the things <laughs> that we actually care about. Not everything, but the things we care about, those convergence points with our customers where we know this is these are where our people are, knowing that is half the battle. And and getting there is is about understanding and then providing what people actually want what they're asking for, not checking boxes. I couldn't agree more with what you're saying, Misty. All right. Well, thank you, Misty, for being an awesome guest today. Before we let you go, is there anything else you would like to plug or or tell us about what's going on at Relevance? Oh, geez. No, nothing I can think of. You know, honestly, we're just just out there like my favorite thing is an underdog story right like so i i love my favorite types of clients like i love working with big brands too but my favorite types of clients are underdog brands that are looking to become radically relevant right like i want to i'm competitive so i want to i want to win those those page one terms i want to help you know grow brands so that's the type of brand you are get at me right i'd love to work with you boom do it i love it we'll link to it in the show notes and you guys can check it out please look up misty and and relevance thanks again misty yeah my pleasure thank you guys for having me thanks for a great combo Ryan, what do you leave that conversation with? What was your main takeaway? My main takeaway is that Misty was awesome. And that's really all I have to say about that. Honestly, if I was forced to say more, it's that you talk to people like Misty who are in it every day, like agency owners. And it's not always that it's, it's internal marketers too, but people who are like under pressure to make marketing do something for the person that you're promising. Okay, you give me your money and I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to turn it into leads or sales or whatever it is you want. Yep. You talk to those people and I think they come at all of these these issues that we talked about today, like AI and SEO and everything from such a level-headed perspective, because we're at a point where like all of us who are in marketing are tired of having to justify <laughs> what we do. And and like we want to justify what we do in the workflow, right? Like we want to have the numbers, we want to report, we want to make smart decisions. But I'm with Misty on like everything she said. Like when it comes to the new technologies that are coming, AI, you know, algorithm updates, it's like just wait and see. Like everybody, don't freak out. Like we'll collect data and we'll become smart and we will find uses for tools and for new kinds of data as 
they come. In the meantime, let's have a drink. Let's talk about marketing and let's see if we can, you know, change each other's minds, which I think is really awesome too. So I, that was just a really great conversation. Beautiful, beautiful. I completely agree, Ryan. All right. Well, that is it for this episode of Page One or Bust. We'll see you next time. Are you ready to dive even deeper into pillar-based marketing? Here's your chance. The brand new book, Pillar-Based Marketing, a data-driven methodology for SEO and content that actually works by co-hosts Ryan Brock and Christopher Day is now available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook editions. Find it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or look for the link in the show notes.